All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's Robert Sykes, the Keto Savage, for the podcast here. I was originally going to do one solo, talking about the recap of this contest prep on keto and this 21-day challenge, but I figured they'd be kind of boring for y'all, so I brought on special guest Danny V, and he is super knowledgeable about ketosis and athletics, and I'm going to let him introduce himself here, but I figured if he's asking questions, it's going to be a lot more engaging and entertaining for y'all to listen to. So without further ado... Danny, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad we got this chance because I I really loved watching the whole process, and I think it's it's definitely unique. You know, we saw we saw the Jason Whitrock one, and and I was talking to you the other day that yours is distinctly different and um, is providing value in a different way. So I want to dive into it. Yeah, man, for sure. Let's talk about that. Talk about the the prep. Let's talk about it all. So first, let me just say, I, I don't usually sound like this, but I lost my voice. So this is the, the more sensual version of me. Yeah, I think you sound great, man. <laughs> All right. So listen, so I, what I want to, you know, I want people to really understand your motivation because what you've been doing for the past year or so, it's going to be so helpful to a lot of people. You know, you, you use yourself as an example of how to prep fully keto, no carb ups, no diuretics, essentially you're modeling a pretty darn healthy way of doing bodybuilding you know like anyone who knows about this sport will tell you after a certain point it really has nothing to do with health and even for the smartest athletes it's about reaching those goals with the least damage possible to your health but it's not really healthy so do do you agree with that yeah i think i think uh in its purest form bodybuilding is healthy for sure but people take it to an extreme because i mean it is an extreme sport and then you know they start introducing the performance enhancing drugs which i don't pretend to know that much about so i don't want to get too much in detail there but they'll do like the crazy yo-yo dieting or they'll do the insane you know bulking off season in which they put on an additional you know 40 plus pounds a lot of which is body fat and they'll do an extremely fast cut you know and they'll get down to three four percent body fat but they'll do so within you know such a short time frame that they're going to lose some muscle and it's just, it's really taxing on the metabolic system and, you know, your entire mental and emotional physiological state. So I figured there had to be a better alternative. And for me, that took the form of keto. So, yeah, man. And so w- would you, uh, would you mind kind of going into like, you know, what did this, you, you said this was your first keto prep. So what did this off season look like? What did the prep look like? And then I, I always get a kick out of, um, the day of the show, you know, what you were doing versus what the other people that were competing were doing. Yeah, for sure. Like the off season, I don't really change my training style too much in the off season versus the contest prep. You know, you have the the myth out there, you know, you got to like go fewer reps and heavier weight to get big. And then you have to like, you know, do high reps and low weight to get toned. But I pretty much keep my training style consistent. I increased the cardio a little bit during prep, but the off season was pretty much a replica of what the prep was as far as the training goes. And then, I mean, I think the heaviest I got in the offseason was 182, but I never broke above 10% body fat. I, I was, I think, 9.5% even at 182 in the offseason. And I looked back at some of my old videos that I'd taken, you know, back then, and I didn't, I wasn't fat by any means. I'm definitely fatter then than I am now, just coming off of a, you know, competition. But I was still in a very healthy, like, I even then in the offseason, if I wanted to just go for a, you know, five mile run 
it wouldn't be anything for me to go do it. It wouldn't like I had to prepare myself to climb a flight of stairs or anything. Um, I didn't really track my my macros this past off season. With with me being in ketosis for two years now, I kind of really took advantage of the whole instinctive aspect of the diet and just kind of let my body tell me what it needed. Um, that said, my protein was probably higher than it could have ideally been throughout much of the off season. So there probably were times where I wasn't in as deep a state of ketosis as you know optimal. Um, I'm probably going to keep a little better tabs on that going forward with this next off season. But uh, but yeah, I, I like I said, I never broke ten percent, which which is funny because you know most people tell me or they they all tell me you know in order for you to put on any quality muscle mass, especially as a natural bodybuilder, you would need to be okay with putting on that extra fat. But I think I mean if you're if you're around ten percent body fat, I think that's all the uh, surplus body fat percentage you need in order to put on quality lean muscle because I definitely, you know, increased my strength and my my muscle size and measurements throughout the entire off season going going forward. So I, I definitely know that I put on muscle. Um so that that was basically the off season there. And then I, I don't know, like I said I didn't track so I don't really know what my average intake and, in, you know, calories and macronutrient ratios were. But um going into the prep I pretty much just started off, you know, slowly tapering. And we can really get into the weeds. I'm just kind of do an overview. Was it was it four, it was four and a half months? Yeah, yeah. I started on December first of 2016, and then my first competition this year was um, April 8th. So just about four and a half months there. Which uh, with natural bodybuilding, I try and take it a little longer. You know, you know, four. I probably could have had just as good results, you know, prepping for four months, but I didn't really know because this was the first time doing it with, you know, the ketogenic diet. So I gave myself four and a half months. Um, if you have a lot more to lose, you know, a lot of natural bodybuilders, they'll prep for six months. Um, and that's like a, a pretty normal occurrence. The uh, the first show I did, I, I lost, I went from, I had that crazy bulk and cut and I lost 70 pounds in three months. And that was not recommended for anybody because, you know, you're going to lose a lot of muscle. Because, like, with a natural, you know, being a natural bodybuilder, like, you, you're you not going to recover as fast. I mean, there's just a lot of other variables at play. So the the slower the prep and the less drastic, you know, the changes are with your diet and your training, the more muscle you're going to be able to retain. So that was the goal for me. Yeah, and, and you know, um, the other thing is just it, it just speaks to, you know, your character and, and your patience because I think a lot of people, the reason why they do – want to go to those higher body fat numbers is because it's basically they can get heavier quicker and you know you mentioned in your last video of this uh, little challenge you did that you're going to take a year or two off and that is the right way to do it and you know some people don't want to wait that long to put on that quality muscle but I totally agree that you know think about a a good respectable off-season numbers 12 to 13 percent you know that's pretty decent but 10 percent that's that's where you're really keeping it quality. You know, there's no question that the, the muscle you're going to put on, the the weight that you're going to put on is going to be quality. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like if, if I'm prepping for, so let's just go on the, the, you know, conservative end and let's just say I prep for six months at a time. You know, if you're prepping for six months out of the year and you're building for the other six months, I mean, six months is not really an ample amount of time to put on any significant amount of muscle. So you would look the same year after year on stage. And I yep. mean, you want to have, you know, a noticeable improvement with every time you compete. So yeah, as a natural bodybuilder, I think taking, you know, a minimum of two years off is, is key. Um, absolutely. And then as far as, you know, 
the body fat percentage, like since I've kept it pretty tight and honed in throughout the offseason and the prep, I've got a much better gauge for what I'll actually look like on show day. You know, if you have an extra 50, 60 pounds on you, you that's that's where like you would assume, okay, I'm probably going to step on stage at, you know, X, but then you're 20 pounds off. Whereas me, it's like, it's all pretty, you know, tight knit with the numbers. I can, I can kind of know what it's going to look like before it ever happens. Yeah, and and when um with your pro card now, what's the maximum time you can wait before you compete? I don't know. I honestly, I've, I've been so far behind on things. I got the email yes or two days ago now, I guess, um, that had all the paperwork that I've got to read over and sign if I want to, you know, sign on with that federation. So I've got to dig into the details there and figure out because some are, um, you know, they only allow you to take a year off, or some some will, you know, take three years. Um, so I, yeah, I got I got to figure that out. Gotcha. Still. Well, it's all, man, it's all so new. And so congratulations on that. Um, I think we should I think we should talk about this 21-day challenge, man. Yeah, for sure. Let's dig into it. All right. So, you know, first, my observations, you know, like you, I loved watching Jason Whitrock's 4,000 calorie challenge. Actually, you were the one who put me onto it. And I think it all started with him. He attended a conference and he heard about an overfeeding study. So he did the challenge. The results probably surprised everyone, including people that are knowledgeable about keto. Because we talk about all the time how it's so much more important, the, the role of, of hormones. And it's really not about calories in versus calories out. But we, we tend to default to that, you know, that if we're going to cut, we're going to we have to be in a deficit. Um, so, you know, but your experiment was totally different because you're coming off dieting for four plus months and at percentage body fat probably not sustainable you right know, you, i think you got you, you got down to 3.7 percent right uh, i think the the lowest i ever clocked it was 3.3 3.3 man so you know you you've kind of talked about your motivations but you know the why don't you go into that again because i think it's important this again you know you provided value by showing you know off-season prep and now keto prep, you know, fully keto. But this is a whole new area where I think so many people, not only not only people that are keto, but I think you might even bring over some of these, you know, typical bodybuilder that that do the typical diet because you know the 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 rebound. I mean, I can't imagine that's a very profound, depressing <laughs> time. Oh, so yeah. why don't you go into that? Yeah, so I, I kind of touched, touched on this a little bit, you know, with the the videos and whatnot. So I don't want to become too repetitive here for the audience, but but yeah, basically, you know, in the past, you know, re- rebound the whole post show thing is, is kind of hush hush, and it's not really talked about because all the hype goes to, you know, the competition prep and then the show day, and then after that, it's like nothing ever gets said. You just go back to normal life. But I mean, the rebound um, it occurs basically when when you are having such a strict diet and you're following everything to the T and you're training, you know, extensively, and then all of a sudden you, the show's over and you don't have that outlet, you don't have that necessity and the requirement to, you know, watch your macros and, you know, go to the gym as much as you are. So it's easy for people to just kind of like go all out and splurge and just eat and eat and eat and eat. And there's so much of an effect on your hormones from competition prep that, like you literally don't know when you're full, you don't know when you're hungry, your leptin and your ghrelin hormones are all shot to hell. I mean, it, it's it's a weird phenomenon for someone that's never been there before because, I mean, the average person, like they know when they're hungry, they know when they're full. But to not know and just to sit there and like 
really spend time thinking, am I hungry or am I full? It's a weird phenomenon. Um, so, so yeah, like, and, and I've had so many bad experiences in the past, you know, with prior competitions, I would, you know, put on 20 pounds. I remember my first show after losing all that weight, um, we went to Red Lobster and I ate and I ate and ate and ate. And, you know, you do all kinds of like sodium manipulations and water manipulations, or at least I did because I was new at the time. And, I basically was really dehydrated and had intaken a lot of sodium, which is pretty common in the sport. And yep. my uh, my body had basically become a sponge. So anything I ate after that competition, my, my body was going to hold on to. So we went to Red Lobster, and I I ate, and I felt so sick. And then I woke up the next morning 20 pounds heavier, and I looked at the mirror, and like my body had ballooned with all the water weight. But, I mean, you, you can't reasonably think to yourself, okay, this is just water weight. You're like, devastated of because you just think yeah. you you know put through all this hard work and then all of a sudden you're just fat again and that's where like the emotional aspect comes in then you know you develop the eating disorders um i mean this is and this is all common like i talk about this openly and people are hush hush about it but i mean i talk to competitors and it's like this is more the the norm than it is the you know the exception um so i wanted to kind of test to see how the ketogenic diet as a post-show protocol would affect, you know, an athlete that was dialed down and in competition state. So I had uh, basically that Saturday was show day, and I had I had a big meal that night. I had 5,000 calories that day, and then I had like 4,500 the next day. And then that next Monday was the start of the 21-day challenge, which was 21 days straight of 4,000-plus calories, all following the ketogenic, you know, guidelines. Um and I honestly believe had that been 4,000 calories coming from high-carbohydrate-based foods, I would have completely opposite uh, or very different results than what I had experienced with you know doing a ketogenic style, um, which totally shoots the whole calories-a-calorie argument in the face because they're just oh, yeah. totally different macronutrient profiles and they're metabolized much differently in the body. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I only gained, I expected to gain body fat, like you said, because I was, you know, 3.3 is not sustainable, and I wasn't trying to maintain that lean physique, and I wasn't near as strict with, you know, hitting everything spot on. So, but over the course of 21 days, or I guess 20, 24 days, counting those Saturdays and Sundays, I, uh, I only gained 1.2% body fat, which was surprising. Yeah. Hey, before we continue, because I, I, I'm curious, um, you always talk about the amount of weight you gained that first day. How much of it stuck on you, like in the week after, in that first show? The first show, um, like I said, I, I competed at 153 on that first show, and then I blew up 20 pounds, and then I think it took about a week for me to lose a lot. But after I lost it all, I, I think I retained about. 10, 12 pounds. I mean, there was a, a lot of body fat. I was I was crashing IHOP menus, and I mean, I was putting in work on the carbohydrates. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, man. Man, okay, so, um, all right, now, so we talked about that. We talked about, so this experiment, it's basically you're showing others how to get around some of these cravings and these mental battles that they face after competition. So can you kind of expand on, you know, what did you expect to happen Versus what happened? Like, was there any, were there any surprises? Yeah, I honestly expected, like I said, I expected, uh, I, I expected to gain more body fat than just the 1.2%. So that was a, a surprisingly good, healthy number. I'm happy with that. Um, 
I expected to, you know, feel stronger and, and more energetic and powerful in the gym and less hungry. I was actually, you know, all all those things were true. I definitely felt more powerful and, and whatnot. I was actually still pretty hungry, though, but I think it might have been because I was just consciously, consciously tracking everything still because I was, you know, documented all for the camera. And I think, honestly, just, you know, constantly documenting, constantly tracking your macros and thinking about food is going to make you inherently hungry. So, <laughs> yeah, that, I, I was still hungry for sure. Yeah, I, I would be at, you know, 3,000 calories for the day, and it'd be only early afternoon still. And I'm like, shoot, I don't want to go too far over my 4,000 mark. Because um, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't want to get, you know, splurged too much. I was definitely going over 4,000. My, my average, I think, was about 42 to 4,300 a day. There was a couple of days where it was like 46, I think. Um, but not too much over that. As far as uh, real real significant surprises, I was shocked at how my skin and vascularity uh, improved with the increase. I, I expected to get kind of like a thicker skin and kind of hold a little bit more water than I did afterwards because, you know, you hold so much more water after, you know, doing a normal carbohydrate-based diet. I expected to have some with this, but in fact, my skin got even thinner my vascularity became even more apparent uh, with the 4,000 calories. I mean, there was another show, uh, I think, two weeks into the 4,000 calorie challenge, and I was so tempted to just jump on stage. I know. Totally. I remember you mentioned it in passing, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I I can't believe this. I'm just going to jump on stage at 4,000 calories without really prepping at all and see what happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Wow. So, you know, I actually, to me, it kind of makes sense that, you know, that your skin didn't did, did get tighter because... You didn't, you know, on the day of the show, you know, I, I don't know if people follow, you know, what you were doing, but how many gallons of water did you drink that day? I, I was three three gallons in for sure. There was another competitor that he he stepped on stage for prejudging, and he had to, uh, he looked fine on prejudging, and then we were doing, he was in my one of my classes, I think, for the overall, uh, doing the classic bodybuilding, and I didn't see the time because I was, I was on stage as well, but I was looking at the video footage afterwards, and he had to stop posing halfway through the pose down because his right chest, his pectoral muscle just started cramping up significantly. Oh. You could like see the line from the audience. I had my girlfriend in the back with the camera. You could see the line in the muscle where it was just like seizing up mid-pose and he had to just stop all posing. And um, after the fact, you know, we were backstage and I was asking about it and he's like, I'm like, yeah, man, how much water have you had today? He's like, oh, I've... I've only had 10 ounces uh, this whole day. And at that Jeez, point, I had, man. you know, two and a half gallons. <laughs> and, you know, that that is definitely, he was hurting for a week after, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, at least. Um, so, yeah, so you, you're not really, you didn't really do much of that. So it's like, you know, you go back to eating more, but you're not, you're not really eating more carbs. You are eating a few more carbs, but I mean, you're talking about, I think it's one for every gram of carbs. It's like three gram, three grams of fluid, right? That you hold. Yeah. So for every one gram of glycogen, yeah, you hold about three grams of water weight. So you, you know your your total carbs or your net carbs, you were trying to keep under fifty, right? Yeah, I tried to keep my net carbs under fifty. Um, there was one day my total carbs got to one hundred, which was kind of <laughs> mind blowing. But uh, but even that is a pretty substantial increase because I mean there was like that last month of prep. My total carbs was like less than ten, 
So yeah, and I, I don't understand that because you 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 said you were eating. How small were, were your were your fathead pizzas that you were eating? Because you said you were eating those like every night. Or I I would eat a quarter of a, a full size fathead pizza every day, and then okay on Fridays, kind of doing like a test to, to see how my body would react. I would do like a. Uh, that would be like a refeed day, basically. So that was a full-size pizza. So that, that day had a little bit more carbs. But just a typical day um, leading up to that, you know, it was much, much lower. Gotcha. All right, so you're going to you're gonna continue to hold on to the 4,000 calories. Um, you know, I know you added a few inches to your waist, but, you know, you, you, have, you have ruined me, man, because these high-volume meals, I'm all about them now. I love them, like the, the Miracle Rice, the Miracle Noodles. Um, I do a lot of salads now. I really do love them. So have you thought about like playing with changing where the calories are coming from, like eating more fat, less fiber? And if if you have, have you seen that little, you know, distension go away? I I haven't. I mean, I've, I've been kind of experimenting with it. As far as like my ratios go, somebody actually commented on my YouTube channel the other day. They were asking about ratios because like strict keto is about, you know, like the original keto is about 90 percent fat. Um, like the keto that was used to treat epilepsy back in the 20s. Um, and then now what's popular is kind of like the modified version of keto in which it's about 70 to 75% fat. And then you've got, you know, cyclical keto and you've got, um, you know, uh, the timed keto. But for me, especially if I'm trying to maintain a leaner physique, I, I try and increase my fat and decrease my protein a little bit, especially if I'm cutting. If you're cutting, you're not trying to build muscle anyways. I am now, but I've, like, so right now I'm at about 80% fat, um, and I feel like my body performs really well with that. But 80% fat and 15% protein, 5% carbs at 4,000 calories a day, I'm still getting at least 150 grams of protein a day. And with me only weighing about 168, 170 right now, 150 grams of protein is totally totally substantial and significant oh, to man. Build muscle yeah and, and, and like you said it did it did lower your ketones a little bit but now we're like splitting hairs because you're still way above like the minimum 0.5 millimolar so because you were like at, in the in the high ones right versus like three yeah yeah it, and i like that last day of the challenge i, I documented you know testing my ketones throughout several different points th- throughout the day and there's like ketone levels change so much uh, throughout a 24 hour period. There was one point in there where I was down to 0. 0.2, and then thir- I remember that, 13 yeah. hours later, I was, what was it, 2.7 or something? Dude, uh, I was blown away the day that you were out of ketosis. I'm like, oh crap. I, I was, you know, I was on that vacation we talked about. And I tell my wife, and he, he got kicked out of ketosis, and, you know, it, it wasn't even, it, he had a ton of fiber, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it might have just been, you know, the volume in your stomach that did it. But I'm like, I'm watching the video and I'm like, this guy's back at like, what was it? Like 12 hours later. What? How high did you get? Yeah, it was 2.7 millimolars, I think, <laughs> within 13 hours. I'm like, hours. dude, that's crazy. That is crazy. And that, that really just speaks to, you know, the the body's, uh, the body's just awesome, really, man. If, if Like once you're adapted and you've stayed adapted for, you know, two years that I've been in ketosis now, basically, that becomes my norm. So it, it's relatively easy for me to you know, kick myself out and then back in, um, yep. you know, whereas somebody that, that hasn't been in ketosis since they were, you know, born, um, it's going to be a much longer, not as enjoyable process to get back to adaptation. Yeah. But, yep. uh, 
Yeah, no, for sure. I was I was kind of surprised by that too. I, I was not expecting it to be as high as two point seven within thirteen <laughs> hours, but I was not complaining. Yeah, and um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, I wanted to add because I think you know personally, I'm trying to cut, but I'm doing hypertrophy style training, you know, and even then, you know, I really do love, and that's another thing I kind of you know when we were talking about you know how am I going to because I wanted to slowly cut the fat, and then you were like you know what keep that fat high. I'm like, dang, that's a great idea because I love my fat, mm-hmm. and my protein's down to 95 now. I'm 220 pounds. And I I feel like I perform better with higher fat as well. And I think that people shouldn't be afraid to to keep that fat a little bit higher. And because everybody's always like, okay, let me add protein. But it's not necessarily true. I mean, that fat is so muscle sparing. And oh, if you're yeah. and if you're pushing yourself enough, you're providing that because we're talking about hormones. We're providing that hormonal response. It's not as dependent on protein. It's Absolutely. depending on you know all the other hormones that are involved. So. Yeah, I think people should definitely look into that, trying to lower their protein a little bit. I mean, because you feel better. Yeah, you feel better, and and like I said, if you're trying, if the goal is to to cut, you don't need to have a surplus of protein. There's there's no need for it. And I mean, I was down to 65 grams of protein a day in prep, but I did not experience any strength loss whatsoever until about three to maybe four weeks out from show day. I mean, I was. PRing on, you know, like deadlift with really low protein several months into my prep. So, I mean, you don't need to have it at, you know, 250 grams a day like a traditional bodybuilder would. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm trying to keep it because when, when I, when people ask me for advice and stuff, you know, I really just want to try to keep it as personalized to me as possible. I'm not trying to tell everybody what to do and tell them that this is the only way, but you know, even 25% to me, I would, I would really hold off on that and try these lower percentages first before I really start to try to play with my protein and bring it all the way to 25%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think with the keto diet, like if you want to just be conservative, start off with the fat ratio higher and then just slowly start titrating that protein in until you recognize or notice any, you know, negative uh, outcome results from it. Yeah. All right, so so 159 to 167 pounds. It's about eight pounds. Uh, body fat 4.3 to 5.5 percent. Have you thought about a, a percentage you want to maintain, or are you just gonna rely on staying keto and focusing on training harder and putting the size with no regard to your body fat, or are you just kind of kind of um, test it every now and then just to see where you are? I definitely kind of want to test it. On you know a monthly or bi-monthly basis, I I don't I mean in the off season, you want to make bodybuilding you know enjoyable, so you don't want to have the same kind of like extreme you know anal focus that you had during contest prep throughout the entire year because then it just makes it less sustainable for the lifetime. Um, so I'm gonna have a little bit more lax outlook on it. But that said, I think what I'm gonna do as far as the strategy goes is that like I said, I'm gonna maintain the four thousand calories a day at least for another month to see what happens. I'll test my body fat again after that month to see if I've increased much from where I'm at currently. But a kind of a good biomarker I think for me is if I'm between one sixty and one seventy, I feel like I'm, you know, within the three to about six percent body fat range. If I'm between one seventy and one eighty, I think I'm still sub ten percent body fat. 
I would like to stay less than 170 for the next few months just because I think I look and perform and feel great at about, you know, 170 as the top right now. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like now that the challenge is over and I'm not documenting everything and trying to eat different foods every single day for the camera, I'll find kind of like a rhythm as to what works well for me and, you know, easily is prepared in the kitchen and kind of get the training style ironed out. And I I think I'll be able to maintain, you know, about the 5 to 6% body fat and less than 170 fairly easily for the next next little bit. Hey, and, and, you know, who knows, a year from today, you hit that 180 mark, it's a whole different 180, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I definitely... I, I, I try not to focus too much on the number, but I feel like based off of my look, my body fat, my symmetry and proportion, if I am a, able to step on stage at 170, I was on stage at like I think 159 or 157 this past year. If I can step on stage at 170, you know, in ketogenic state, you know, over the next couple of years, I'll be totally happy with that. I think 170 at my stats, I'll be pretty, pretty hard to beat. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> you know, I, so go, oh, go ahead. ahead. What are you gonna say? No, I was just rambling. Go ahead. So, how awesome was it to experiment with like variety and try the new meals? Like, did you did you like learn any lessons on what to avoid in the future? Like, I know there was that one day in the middle of the challenge with all the fiber, but um, did you get any? First of all, did you have any awesome new meals that you're gonna use? And did you find anything that you're like, oh, I need to stay away from that? Yeah, well, the uh, the keto pizza for sure, man. That's like one of my go-tos. I, I experimented with that as a competition prep strategy to kind of fill out, you know, like people will eat a bunch of carbs, you know, usually from white rice the night before a show. I did that keto pizza because that was just a lot of sodium, a lot of fat, and pretty good amount of protein. And that's just super easy. I mean, the crust is three ingredients. It's almond flour, cream cheese, and then cheese. Um, yep. And then, like, you can – it's so versatile, like – you can store it. It keeps really well. Um, you can make a pizza, you know, put whatever toppings you want on top. You can section it off and use it as a crust or a bun for burgers. Um, you can cut it into pieces and use it as chips for, like, nachos. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. really – What did you use as a bun for that burger that one time? That wasn't fathead. That was something else, right? Uh, which one? I've had a couple of different ones. Um, I think during the challenge you did a, a some sort of bun that um, – it was like a real high fiber or was something. It really dark. Yeah, and it looked dense. It looked really dense. That was actually an attempt at avocado brownies. Uh, so there was a whole avocado in there. But, oh my gosh! Yeah, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I took a bite out of it, and it's like I I I try not to add artificial sweeteners to things because I just want to really hone in on the natural flavor. Um, and I put like you know 100% cacao dark chocolate in there, so I figured it would still be sweet. But it wasn't sweet at all. It was really savory, like a pumpernickel rye type of, you know, bread. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. I'll just make a breakfast sandwich out of this. That's what I do. <laughs> um, That's what it was. Yeah, it, it was tasty. Uh, as far as um, any other meals, actually, post-challenge, well, the Miracle Rice, we can talk about that for a second. I, the Miracle oh, yeah. Rice was a lifesaver during the competition prep. And I liked it so much during prep that I continued it throughout the challenge, which is pretty rare. You know, most people don't just want to eat more the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yep, but yep. there's just so much volume for so little, you know, caloric load and carbs and everything. And I, and I was reading up on it. I spent like three hours reading up on 
the glucoman and fiber and everything because I'm like, this is too good to be true. Like, there's got to be some negative thing somewhere with this. <laughs> and everything I could find was positive. And, like, it, it doesn't affect your insulin in a negative way. It acts as a really good fiber source. I mean, everything is perfect. So I'm like, well, this stuff is a miracle food. Uh, so, yeah, the, that, that was really good. That gave me as a competitor that feeling of fullness while not making me feel guilty for, you know, binging on something unhealthy or outside yep. of my diet. Um, yep. Speaking of that, though, you had mentioned just previously that you're into the volume foods now. It's kind of like oh, a, yeah. it's kind of like a double-edged sword, man. Like you, you eat those high-volume foods and you stretch your stomach out. So I mean, your stomach oh, yeah. wants to eat more food. So it's it's one of the beauties of keto is that you can go longer in between feedings and you're not as hungry. But then after you start really incorporating those high-volume foods, you're like man, I'm hungry again, you know? Uh, or at least <laughs> yeah, that, and, and that that's what, what I've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of like, so, I, you know, I decided like three months ago that I was just, because I was only intermittent fasting really like on the weekends. Um, and then I decided I was going to do it every day. And so I was doing like 17 hours of fasting with like seven hours of, of eating. And recently I find myself just doing more like 22, 23 hours Um and I have not been impacted at all as far as like my muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how long I can do it this way, but I, I like I would say like two to three days of the week. Today's one of those days. I did deadlift and back um, and a little bit of hit. And I just afterwards I had um, a scoop of MCT oil powder, and then like a few hours later I had a tablespoon of MCT oil, and I and I did have a a nice coffee. But tonight we're going out and we're gonna have a big old you know, burger with no bun and, and some uh, low-carb ice cream. This stuff is a, another one that's kind of a miracle. It's a local uh, place here that doesn't have any bad ingredients. It's like two two carbs per serving, and it has dairy, so it's not like that crap that you get that's just like no fat and mm-hmm. no sugar. Is it like so, a, it's just homemade? It's like not a brand or anything? It's called Delights Emporium. I think they're in a few different cities. I'll have to look them up. Delights Emporium. It's ice cream, huh? Yeah, D apostrophe lights, L I T E S, and uh, my friend Chris has been telling me about enlightened ice cream. Um, I haven't looked at that one. That's actually like a you know a pint that you can get, and then if you go on their their website, I think it's eatenlightened.com, You can search for someone around you, uh, and it's usually like you know a supermarket around you will carry it. I haven't looked into that yet because I'm, we're not really like doing many desserts. Like if we are, we'll do. I'm not making big batches of fat bombs anymore. I'm like, I'm like, what am, what am I going to make? And so I'll make myself the amount that I want to eat at that time. And it turns out a lot of the time I don't even eat that amount. So it's actually better that way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time I'm, I'm just doing like last night was brutal. We had, uh, we were recording our podcast and I think I, I fasted like 26 hours and I had this huge salad planned and I made the salad and man, it was because I put, I put corned beef, I put some bacon crumbles, um, Havarti cheese, spinach, cabbage, uh, goddess dressing from uh, Trader Joe's, MCT oil. (laughs) And man, it was, it was hard to get through, but I'm like, you know, part of me in the back of my head is still like, man, I I think I need to eat this because I want to have enough energy for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I would have had to eat the whole thing, but I ended up eating the whole thing, but it was, it was rough. It was rough. There's, there's like a point when you're eating volume foods 
And it, it's a hard line to skate because it's like, do I take this next bite or not? How am I going to feel afterwards? <laughs> I uh, This might be the one. This this might be the one. I, somebody gave me a box of Miracle Rice during the course of that challenge. I don't know if you saw that episode or not. Yeah, yeah. You're someone you met with. Yeah. Yeah, I ate two and a half pounds of that rice in one sitting. Oh, my gosh, man. And that I can't imagine how big that bowl was. It was colossal. And it was just... Now, what'd you put in that? Was that the uh, dessert one or was that like a... No, that was the dessert one. So I put like the almond butter and like regular butter. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of food, man. And I've had like I, my norm is about 35 ounces uh, or 35. Yeah, 35 ounces. And I'm totally good. But that last little bit, I guess that's what 40 something ounces. That last little bit. Did man. Me in, man. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with like I'm good because I know each pack is like eight. I'm good with um, 12 and sometimes maybe 16. And, and that's more than enough because I'll put. My favorite way to do it, my wife's done um, fried rice with it, Mm -hmm. which is delicious, but Mm -hmm. my favorite is the oatmeal type, you know, where I put almond butter, I put um, heavy cream, I put a little bit of almond milk, I think, I put cinnamon um, and a little bit of sugar-free syrup, and the first time I ate it, it changed my life, because I hadn't had oatmeal in so long, and I did enjoy oatmeal back in the day, you know? I'm about to change your world, man. You ready? Tell me. Tell me right now. I just started doing something yesterday was the first day I tried it. Have you ever had, you ever eat chia seeds? No, but we, we have them. I think my wife, I uh, forget what she's done with them, but we got them in the, in the cupboard. Do you have, what, what's your, are you fasting right now? Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, um, we'll, we'll probably, our, our, actually we have reservations, I think at six or six thirty, so another hour or so, okay. hour and a half. Well, when you get home, have another little treat, and okay. do you have ground flaxseed? I think we have that too, man. We're we're lucky. We have a bunch of stuff. <laughs> All right, and now one more question: What is your preferred like milk substitute? Like, do you have like an almond milk that you use, or what do you use for that? We have unsweetened almond milk, and we use a heavy cream a lot of the time. Honestly, okay, perfect. But that might be too heavy. No, I don't know. That, that would work out fine. Okay, what you got to do it's the the best ratio that I've found is is one to one to two. So get like two like get get a cup of uh, that almond milk with you know added with the heavy cream just a cup total cup and a quarter heat that up in a saucepan all right while that's warming up slowly stir in two tablespoons of the ground flaxseed and two tablespoons of the chia seeds and before you know it on low heat that will congeal the chia seeds uh, they hold a lot of water as well so it congeals and becomes a gel, which volumizes significantly. It's going to soak up all that liquid. And then that has become my new preferred oatmeal. I'll put my butter and my almond butter in that, and it is delicious. And it's like chia seeds and flax seeds. It's like 10 grams of carbs, but nine of which is fiber. So And it's got a little bit of protein too, right? And chia seeds. I was spent all morning reading up on chia seeds. Chia seeds <laughs> are a complete protein. So unlike most vegetables, they're a complete protein. And they actually have more um, omega-3s by weight than salmon. Granted, their omega-3s are ALAs instead of the DHA and the EPA. But it's okay. uh, still a pretty good source of micronutrients and everything. So try that. Super simple and very, very flavorful. Okay, so so um, a cup and a quarter total of almond milk mixed with heavy cream, however much of each I want to do. Heat that low in a saucepan. 
stir in the two tablespoons of the chia seeds and the two tablespoons of the flax seeds, and then I'll, I'll see it kind of change consistency, and then just serve it and put what I wanted to put in it. Yep, yep. Actually, I I think I might have told you wrong. I think it's uh, two tablespoons and two tablespoons and half a cup. Okay, this, half a cup. Yeah, this morning I did a little bit more um, because I was hungry. Like half a cup, like when you buy those little single-serve oatmeal packets, it's so small. I don't know why yep. they, where they get these serving size info. Right? <laughs> but I, I did. Yeah, I think, no one ever does one packet. Yeah, it's like uh, Doritos. You can't just eat one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was before I was keto, by the way. Um <laughs> But yeah, so this morning I did uh, four tablespoons of each, so eight tablespoons total, and then a full Ooh, cup. Gotcha. Okay, that's a big breakfast. It's actually not that big. I mean, you add you add everything to it on top, but the the actual oatmeal itself isn't that big. It does expand quite a bit, but compared to the two and a half pounds of miracle rice, it's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing compares to that. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Um, All right, so let, let's go back to one thing because I mean, I was just like. Dude, your blood test results. What the heck? Yeah, I, I'm looking at it right Explain now. I've got it on my whiteboard, and I, I, I still am shocked by it. Um, yeah, it, it was crazy, man. I, so I've got my blood test done three times now, basically. The first time I got it done was when I was with the the rare company job. They they required us to all you know get our blood tests and everything, and that was about two years ago, um, a little less than two years ago. It's about after being in ketosis for six months. But that was with a different testing agency. I don't have those numbers, so I don't really can't really use it as a metric. But uh, they were all good though, because I'd still been in ketosis for six months to that point. You know, I got tested this the second time on January twentieth, so that was about a month and a half into competition prep. So that those numbers reflect that whole off season of you know kind of probably skating in and out of ketosis because my proteins are probably a little higher than necessary, but yeah. still. No Eating carbs. Still, uh, yeah. Yeah. Still using fat as the fuel source. And then again on May 5th, in which that reflected the last uh, portion of the contest prep and the entirety of this 21 day challenge. Um, and yeah, I mean, it blew my mind, man. From cholesterol went from 244 to 229, which is high. You know, it's above 200 by the standards, but a lot of that's because my HDL skyrocketed, which is good. And then, uh, so my HDL went from 101 to 154. My LDL, which I think you went below 130, was at 130, and it went to 68. So that's a significant drop. Uh, and triglycerides went from 64 to 36. You want less than that's, 150 on the triglycerides. Mine were low to begin with, but even more so now. Yeah, and and you know it's it's it, it's made more powerful by the fact that. High HDL is going to clear out the LDL. Yeah, that that I would love to hear an explanation of of why that is, man. Because it, you know, I just I I don't understand the mechanism of of how that happened. But it's just it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, I I, I don't know the explanation. I'll have to speak with somebody that's smarter than me. But I I did not expect to have those low numbers. And I mean triglycerides, which is you know just the fat floating around in your blood. You know, I would think at 4,000 calories, I mean, because I went from, I think towards the end of prep, I was intaking about 160 to 170 grams of fat a day. And then with the challenge, I was taking in anywhere from 350 to about 375 on average every day. That last day, I kind of went out with a bang with like 460 grams. But uh, on average, I mean, that's a pretty significant increase in, in 
you know, fat that I'm intaking. So I would think that my, uh, I would have some additional fat floating around, you know, not getting used. But from it to go to 64 to 36, it really speaks to the volume of, you know, my body is just really in a fat burning state and using that, you know, as a fuel source and then not getting stored. Um, so I was really impressed by that. Yeah, man. All right. So what, like, if you want to, what are like the, the two, like one or two biggest takeaways that you, that you would want people to take away from this? From the challenge specifically or from the, the yeah. and everything? From the, from the challenge. Well, actually, if you, if you think that there's something, cause this, it's all part of the same thing, you know, it's, it's the off season, the prep, the challenge, you got the whole thing. Now you got the off season, the prep, you got the after part. I mean, you are a great end of one and it's, it's what we need, man. We really do need it because the endurance has been taken care of, you know, people kind of trust keto for endurance, but they're still skeptical, um, not as much with the bodybuilding as they are with the, the lifting and the, you know, strength, mm-hmm. but still, even with bodybuilding, people will start to think you're going to, you're going to need to add some carbs back up at the end to fill out. Yeah, no, I'd. I think the biggest takeaway would would be the validity of the ketogenic diet as a as an effective lifestyle protocol diet that can be incorporated, you know, with bodybuilding, but like I say with with all the sports too. I mean, there's like people are always asking me, you know, what's what's the pros and cons? And like somebody asked me on the YouTube channel in response to the challenge, you know, what what negative things happen besides the stomach bloat? And I'm sitting here racking my mind and it's like I'm pretty transparent with all this. I'm not holding anything back, and yeah. I really can't come up with any negatives. Like, this is the only diet that I've done, and I've done several now, that I'm excited to maintain for the rest of my life because everything has improved. All of my biomarkers have improved, and I mean all of them have improved. Like, there hasn't been anything that's come up short or, you know, gotten worse. So that's exciting in itself. Plus, I mean, I'm excited to to learn more you know, cooking recipes. I'm excited to share the knowledge with other people. Like I'm, I'm blessed to be on the the forefront of this, you know, epidemic that's kind of going crazy right now. But everybody wanting to learn yeah, and do keto, and I feel like I'm you know, sitting in a good spot because I'm, you know, trying kind of pushing the envelope with it. You know, using the bodybuilding realm, but I mean, everything yep. I'm learning now can be applied to to a lot of different aspects, a lot of different sports. Yeah, man. And you know what? You gotta. You you honestly gotta somehow find some time to to package those keto bricks because i'm i I mean i'm interested i want to try them every time i see you try them i'm like let me let me get a piece of that so you gotta you gotta (laughs) find a way to make like a small batch to start selling i know man Got one customer i've got to i had a lot of positive feedback from that and that was i mean they're just so convenient and you look at all these health bars i just got fed up with it man i'd i'd go to the grocery store and usually you know in a restaurant and in a grocery store you can find things that are keto really easily. I mean, it's not difficult. But if you go down to the, like the the bar section, like the protein bars, it's it's not easy to find something that's actually a legitimate keto approved, you know, meal replacement bar. And I know. And we always go back as if something's going to change. I mean, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've done it. I've done it like a million times, and I'm like, nothing's going to change. Oh, I look There's at all nothing. the labels every time, and it's like, oh. yeah, <laughs> nope, still nothing. Yeah. Yep. So, and I don't know, like a lot of the bar bars are just really low calorie. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't really fit what my goal are, you know, are for for a bar. Whereas the keto brick, like that, I do a lot of hunting and camping, 
And I mean, with one of those things, I could I could pack, and they they don't have to be refrigerated or frozen. So I could pack some of those, and you know, be good for an extended period. And it doesn't have hardly any weight. They're really really dense, um, easy to pack. So I think it would be applicable to you know people that do extreme outdoor sports and they're gone from you know civilization for a long time. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like that. I'll send you. So I got two. I got two in the the fridge right now, chilling that I made for the first time, um, and I'm, I think I think this is going to be my best batch yet. So I'm pretty excited. Nice man, perfecting it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, I the only last thing I want to talk about is um, we got to get together like offline. I really want to share my kind of training philosophy with you because I I think there may be a few things you can take away with that you can apply in this off season. Because, um, you know, we're different backgrounds. You know, I've always been a strength athlete. I've been, you know, college football, uh, strength coach, you know. And, and I do think that there's been, even though I've never been strictly focused on hypertrophy, there some of the things I've been doing, um, you know, my you know throughout my lifting career have led to hypertrophy. The only thing that, that I think was a detriment was when I really started competing and started squatting above 600 pounds. My trunk muscles got so big. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that I would say no, but I, I definitely um, want to talk with you and see like I'll share with you like my philosophy and then you can see like how you can incorporate it into your training. Maybe maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you know, at least I can kind of share with you. Oh, and on the same on the same spectrum, you know, I want to see if there's anything that you do that that I can throw in because um, I've never focused so much as I am now on really feeling my muscles, slower tempo, all that stuff. That's all new to me. Well, I listened to your podcast the other day with Brian about hypertrophy, and I was I took away some key okay. points for sure there. I was very fascinated by what you were saying. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd love that too, man. Like we, You said you've got to leave in about an hour for dinner, right? Yeah, today today won't be the day, but maybe um, if there's any downtime in next week uh, when you're traveling, and if not, when you get settled, man, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, for sure, man. I'd I'd love to to learn, like you know, with your strength coach background, like I I'd have a lot to benefit from it. And um, uh, I I think I I think your deadlift, I'm gonna help your deadlift out, man, for sure. Yeah, I I think I mean my form probably is terrible. From you got a strong deadlift, but we can we can we can definitely get it stronger for sure. Very cool, and that's what my girl wants to get into. Anyway, she wants to do powerlifting, so anything I learn from you, I'll just spread the news to her. Awesome, awesome, man. I appreciate it, Danny. Always a pleasure, man. And I'm excited to see what we learn and do and grow going forward. Yeah, man, I'm excited for you. And I, I really hope that uh, you're, you're following. I know it's going to continue to grow. Cause like I said, you're providing a lot of value, man. So you're my boy. You're my boy, blue. I <laughs> appreciate it, man. Until next time. All right, man. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy.